This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann, not in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, because I'm in Auckland. I'm in Auckland. You're in Auckland. And I am in the home office of Debrilla Lopez. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Very welcome indeed. Tell us where we are. Well, this is a West Auckland, and this is a Swanson, and it is, um, they call that lifestyle block outside of the Swanson. It is a five minutes drive, really, from Swanson, so we are not even in Swanson. We are on a little farm that my husband and I uh, have here. And it's a very nice little farm. Thank you. I think so, too, though it could be more tidier, to be honest, but don't tell anyone. We'll keep that between us. You're very lucky to have... A place like this still inside the city that is true and you know I have to say that it was very helpful and very useful to have your own four and a half hectares four and a five point five hectares during the lockdown because we had the garden and space to go out and walk and you know on our own without anyone coming in and that was really really useful so how was bubble life for you well, I, I, I do have to say that um, it it came as a surprise. I did not expect they're going to get to the level four that quickly. Uh, and I remember I had some sort of flu at the beginning. And because uh, at that time, that week or week before that, we got international students and I had the contact with international students. Um, uh, and, and suddenly I got sick, obviously, and everyone um, went to my GP and he said, we need to test you because you have a contact with international students who just came in. And therefore, you know, let's just have a look, make, make sure that it, it is okay. At that time, you have to have a contact with somebody outside of the country and, um, and, um, and also you have to have some symptoms. So it was, you know, they did it and that was a, a, a bit scary. Uh, because we didn't know really what it is at that time. Uh, but it came back very quickly in 24 hours, and they said, no, it's negative, it's fine. But I still had, a, you know, my flu and had to stay at home. And I think I was, that was Monday, I was still sick at home. On Tuesday, we were in lockdown. So I, after that, flu didn't even go back, really. And that was, um, you know, slowly going into the level two. And then suddenly, I think Wednesday, already Wednesday we, or Thursday, we were in level four. And therefore, that's it. Um, our manager has decided we are all preparing that particular week for for online um, uh, delivery, which wasn't that complicated for our IT students. I have to say, you know, they are technology savvy. They do understand. They're quite quickly getting on board. And at, um, um, it was just trying to understand how company is going to get on the top of it. You need to support suddenly so many online students and the capacity were obviously not planned and certainly not, not organized and designed in that way. So that, that was a, a bit of challenge. Um, I remember that um, most of us got some very limited Zoom number, Zoom password that we can use only in specific time because at that time just we were not completely ready. But that, that was... Um, organized much better very soon and we got much more time and we could could do that uh, because my classes were relatively small it's a master's master level i had only seven students i simply use skype and it worked and your teaching was already yes interactive working absolutely in a small group absolutely I mean, I mean you know you are really guiding them through the process, they have to produce something that you can give some uh, reasonable feedback and guide them 
you know how how to achieve what what they are trying to do so that was all the easiest way to get online we still had to i, I felt rightly or wrongly i i felt because they um you know it's it's a it's not a new for them because this is a third semester and they all they already have been here for two semesters but it's a different way of doing it and I thought maybe they feel left out, lonely somewhere, no family and, and all that, so not enough support. So I, I said, let's make a plan and we will have our organ- normal classes on Monday, as we normally do. And then we will add um, another Wednesday, Q&A I call it, uh, and, and another Friday, just to keep them, you know, in contact with me to give them opportunity to if they work a day or two then they can still you know ask those questions and and got some feedback so that i think worked worked quite well it was really most the idea was not because we have so much material to discuss although we did they they came with quite a lot of questions but it was really just to keep them uh, keep them in a position that they feel that we care we support them and we really would like them to feel to feel okay, and it's not it's not a normal situation. So everyone was uh, in in, a, in you know their own bubble. So we all, we were all cut out of each other. No human interaction, as we would say, not enough anyway. So that that was, I think, very important. It's been interesting how the not having human interaction has actually enhanced human interaction <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i think awareness of how important it is and how that support that we are giving each other is really crucial and and that that uh, feeling of belonging to a group to a team to a you know to the group of the colleagues who are working on you know one project one course or one program it, it does not really matter what what the project is but we are all together we are sharing that and we are we are doing it i do have to say that we had a lot of support from uh, from the colleagues and management uh, we had them, you know, on a Friday, as we called that on, on a Zoom, it was um, uh, sharing time together, and then we asked the question. But it was an informal meeting, it was nothing that we must must be there. But it was really good to hear how other people are doing, what is happening, you know, what sort of challenges they have. Um, I remember me reporting that in two weeks' time, uh, my washing machine died. So that was really interesting. And then they said... Uh, and I said it was terrible. I had to wash all these dishes on her hand, like you know, hundred years ago. And then somebody said, "Why on earth didn't you go to the laundromat?" And but I didn't. You know, it's it's it was the rule: don't go out. And and that's prob that may be in a bed. But on the other hand, we didn't know really what was going outside of our bubble. So I really stayed there and survived <laughs> another two weeks in a very traditional way, washing my my laundry uh, and but the good thing was um, because buying the uh, those basic uh, uh, white techniques or, or material for the house uh, it was um, uh, basic material that we can, we can buy so we went to another vendor shop online we bought another one and and that was that was sorted out and then as you know do happen in the life next thing that died was a kettle and you can't live without cattle, of course. You all have to have a coffee and tea. You know, my husband has, I think, 25 teas per day. <laughs> I have a, at least three coffees and five or six teas. So you just have to have a kettle. So we were in a situation to boil the, you know, our water on the top of the stove. And then finally, uh, uh, because, because you can buy online, and we did. We, we bought all that online. But you have to wait for the delivery. And you're not the first on, you know, in, on the list. So... It was an interesting, interesting experience. How you can rely on your own ingenuity? How you're going to do that, really, in that sort of situation? Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words, baby. 
baby, kiss me. Fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for, all I worship and adore. In other words, please be true. In other words, I love you. Your students come from all around the world. They do. They do. I think, as somebody said, 27 different countries. Most of them are India and China. Some from Japan, some from Indonesia. Uh, I even have some from Ukraine, Brazil, quite a lot of them. So that these are kind of main ones. They must be in a weird position where they know that they're in a safe place, but they're still removed from home. Yeah, I talked with them quite a lot uh, when I had those three meetings every second day with them, Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And my, you know, every time I start talking to them would be, how are you today? And, uh, and you, can, you can see them that they, they were actually, the question was, that, uh, apart from that, after a few weeks I asked, uh, would you prefer that we have a, a face-to-face classes? And I expected them to say no. Because they save on the cost of the traveling, they don't have to get up that early. They are come, you know, they at home. They can organize time. But they all said they do want to go back to the campus, and I thought, you know, why? And I said, you know, cost and all that, and you have to get. Doesn't matter. They really need to be with others. They really need to see those people. That that human touch was so important to them, probably specifically because they don't have a family. And, you know, it's, it's not always that easy, even online, to talk with the families. Not everyone is coming from the cities that is, you know, have a coverage, networking coverage, so that you can call. Some of them are coming from smaller cities or villages when they are, simply can't, can't do that or can't, you know, connect, connect over the internet. So, so some of them uh, even have a, a sort of depression. I remember one of the students who said um, he's missing his family. And, and, you know, and it was, it was really, he was so upset that, uh, that I had to recommend him, you know, talk to a pastoral care person and say, can you please give, give him a call? You know, not everyone was going through that easily. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orakadui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, koutou, Hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope that whatever is happening around you, wherever you are, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very entertaining, and very stimulating, very fascinating, very fulfilling, creative, very nourishing full of love and laughter and illuminating for you every single day more and more who you are triumph of nature's art perfect unique here making things better thank you 
So, of course, I've had the most wonderful day and I'm very grateful to get the opportunity to share this with you. Thank you so much. As we all know, we have moved together through lockdown level four, level three, level two, and we are now very, very lucky to have worked together as a dream team of five million and be together in the intoxicating freedom of level one. And I think for all of us over this time, moving through those different levels really encouraged us to be more aware of our immediate surroundings, our neighbourhoods, our backyards and our own bodies and the welfare of our own bodies. And I know for me over the past couple of years, I've had a real focus on my own health and well-being. And I now love doing lots and lots of exercise and amazing healthy eating and giving myself lots of happy chemicals in all sorts of ways, thanks to the amazing gift of my miraculous body. And I'm sure for all of you that you have ways of connecting with your miraculous body and doing lots and lots of things to give yourself happy chemicals and lots and lots of things that of course, are unique to you and your unique body and how lucky we are that we can constantly be communicating and cooperating and co-evolving with one another so we can find new ways all the time to create these wonderful, wonderful neurotransmitters like those fantastic endorphins and we can build new systems of rewards to give ourselves wonderful dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin all these feelings of love and community and belonging that are so integral to our health. And of course, happiness and health are so intrinsically linked. And what I have found is that the more I focus on my health and caring for my body, the happier I feel, which is just fantastic. And today, what got me thinking about this, of course, is that I was gifted 12 very beautiful mannequins from what had been a clothing store and we transformed Leslie and I wonderful Sam's wife into a forest we filled it all with native trees and we had native frogs there and native bugs and face painting and native tree giveaways and all sorts of things and this was for the science festival but this transforming space gifted to me in its transitional transformation 12 beautiful mannequins and some of them I'm giving away as gifts to my dear friends but some of them I'll keep and have lots of creative adventures with and it reminded me what potent symbols our bodies are what potent symbols they are for us to communicate who we are how we want to be perceived and to remind us that transformation is always available to us and not only is it an individual transformation but a collective transformation and so our beautiful miraculous bodies not only help us to have a sense of personal sovereignty and identity and unique perfect individuality but they also help us to access these different states of being one of which my favorite of course is that sense of oneness with all life and that sense of being supported by all life in a loving infinite web and our bodies and understanding our miraculous bodies and their makeup and our dna and all these things of course is a portal into that understanding and experience of oneness so i feel so grateful to have these mannequins to have lots of creative adventures with I feel so grateful to have my miraculous body to have creative adventures with and I really hope for all of you that you're finding new ways every day to have creative adventures yourself and I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kagite. Of all of the societal changes we've seen in the last few months, what do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? Mm, that's a nice question. Um, I can think about it. I think um, what I think we should be trying to improve or make it better is the flexibility of the work, really. And I think that um, you know, as as you know, cities are growing and there is more people and more traffic and all the problems that we, that, that are coming with it. Uh, having some sort of flexibility of deciding that some stuff can be done from home, clearly, and obviously some has to be in the office, 
would be, I think, really good in the term of the well-being of the people, in the term of the time with the family, with, um, with the children, you know, doing some, some other stuff, uh, developing some hobbies, working on the research, doing the gardening, as I do from time to time when I can find some time to do that. So I, I think that is something that um, is kind of overdue. I'm quite old and I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I do remember 30 years ago that my professor at the university was telling me that in the next 10 or 15 years we are all going to work no more than two to three days per week. I'm still waiting. <laughs> so, you know, in, in a way, I think some things are kind of going backwards instead of Possibly organizing that better and getting better in in what we are doing, we are getting that more formally. It's 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 more important to be there than what you really do. I think so. Personally, I believe that should change. That reset opportunity might enable us to actually have quite different conversations about how we work. Absolutely, and. and all the things that just couldn't be done. Turns out they can be done. <laughs> yeah, I t there is nothing that is not possible, or anything is possible, if, if we may say that clearly. The, the question is, how much will do we put into it? How Do we really want to make that change? And very often you will find that people just don't want to do it. It's easier, and we all understand that. Change is very difficult. It's painful. Uh, uh, it's, it's frightful. You know, you don't know what's going on. You don't know are you going to win. You don't know is it going to be a positive or negative result. And if you do not know that, you are afraid of those results. And I can understand that. But the only way forward is, as we say that to the students, you know, if you're learning and feeling uncomfortable, that's because you're learning. So moving forward is always uncomfortable. Maybe we should take that as a normal situation. We are not creating, we are not moving forward if we are not feeling at least a little bit uncomfortable. You've been through a time in your life that was way more uncertain and uncomfortable than this. Does this seem like a, a doddle? Does this seem like a, 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 an easy thing? Uh, are you talking about the uh, flexible work or, or about the Corona-19? What I was getting at is you've been through a war. I have. And what, how does this compare? And, and perhaps what have, we, what have you learned from going through that event that's even more extreme for, for our recovery from this? Yeah, but in, in one way I was um, uh, in a kind of better place because I already went through a critical situation that was not normal, obviously. And, and I, I, you can never, I'm not accustomed to it, but I understand things that, that are happening and how you feel when you're out of the control, I mean completely out of the control. And that's the same thing that happened to all of us now. We were all out of, of the control. We can't do anything about it. It's just something that, that has been brought upon us and we have to accept that that's number probably a positive thing that I did understand that process the negative thing is that it, it has immediately emotionally put me back in that horrible time that I survived and I find my, myself feeling really anxious for a, quite a while and it took quite a lot of my own energy and the willpower to pull myself out of it again and say Let, let's do something let's let's move out of that you know bad timing bad feeling because you just have to i mean there, there are only two things when you're in this sort of sort of situation you're either down or you're getting up is there a trick to that positivity it's not a deluded positivity but it's a a belief and an actively working to to maintain that? 
I think it's um, it's a it's a bit of it is a bit of positivity. I think that you know, unless you're dead, anything is possible. So if if you are not faced with a gun and, and somebody that is going to you know put that trigger immediately, even if you are, you are just I, I would believe that it's always some sort of way of negotiating or thinking. So maybe that way of it has to be way to do that. It is whatever is happening is happening and we cannot change what is coming toward us the only thing we can change how we react to it really and i i always believe there is always a way that we can work that through i don't know is that being positive but it is certainly the way how everyone survives i think what do you think we can learn for the sorts of questions like climate change social justice from how we have responded to this this pandemic that was an impressive experience i have to say that and i don't want to sound you know politically oriented toward anybody but i really really have to say that i'm very impressed with what our prime minister have done it's that strength, that clarity of uh, of mind, that that you know way how she made that decision is. I'm absolutely, I'm, I'm absolutely impressed. That's number one. Number two, uh, what really impressed me also is how people got together. How we all say these are other rules, and even that the driller wash machine is not working. She's not going out. Why? Because we are in the bubble, and we all are committed that we are going to do only necessary things. And you, you know, wash machine is not a necessary thing. We can survive without that, and we did. I think that seriousness, that commitment, is not not just from me or my family. I saw that with everyone. And, you know, not mentioning those heroes that went to the hospital, that went to the shops, those people who worked. Some of them are my students, and I know that. They're working in a countdown or a pack and save or, or in the hospital. You know, they, they are, these are the heroes. These are the people that went out, risked their lives at a time that we did have community transmission. And when, when we did have that covid but I, I was absolutely impressed. And the minimum I can do is to sit in my bubble. Because I'm not the one who goes out to risk my life to do that. It was pretty good that for most of us, what we were being asked to do was to stay at home and watch TV. Absolutely. <laughs> I read the book. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Do some gardening. Think about the uh, you know, uh, environment. Uh, what's happening, well, getting back to the sustainability. Uh, I know you know how passionate I am about it. I do think that people should think about producing as much food as they can uh, themselves. And I, I don't think it, you know, it's, it's feasible to think that you can produce enough yourself, but you can do whatever you can to minimize all that import and what we do. Because New Zealand is so beautiful, so green, we still have enough rain. We can do a lot for ourselves and have, you know, high quality food that is not imported, who knows from where. It did show us how vulnerable but also how resilient our systems are. Absolutely. The food did keep turning up. Yeah, it did. It got kind of scary looking at it and thinking, where did that come from and how does that get there? It exposed those systems, but they did work. It did work. Yes, absolutely. And I was that, that's another thing that I was absolutely impressed because we didn't have any shortage. We didn't have it. And many others did. So that that is a logistic that has been done really brilliantly. Why do you think New Zealand has gotten away so lightly so far? Was it just down to that, that moving early and, and the, the good communication or was there something about the... The, the culture, the community. I absolutely. I, you know, I'm not born here, but I'm very proud to be New Zealander. I really. I am. thought that was a Gore accent. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it is. It, what I'm trying to say is, these people are brilliant. I think we know what is what is correct. We know what is fair, and we stand together to fight for it. And that is absolutely brilliant. Unfortunately, looking around the world and seeing other nations going wrong way, 
I, I'm sort of beginning to think we are a very rare country in the world that still believes in some basic values that, that make humans and civilization. And that is why I'm so proud to be here and to be part of this community. Liesel Mitchell is a downtown dweller, urban explorer and conversationalist, observing city life in lockdown. Hi there, bubble folk, what's happening? Hope you're having a great day. Uh, I am having a good day today. Yep, my day has been, uh, yeah, joyful, I think. What a great word, joyful, yeah. Um, just enjoying what's around me and uh, taking the time to sort of notice what's around me. Um, I think the more you can look up from your, I guess, every day, maybe take your eyes off your phone for a moment, um, <laughs> take your eyes off your laptop or uh, get outside the office for a minute or walk out the door and smell the air. The more we can do these things, I think the more we feel alive. And I know over lockdown, that was something I really noticed about my life was that I was paying attention to things. I had the time to notice the weather, notice the sky, notice the leaves, the seasons changing, the quality of the air, just the stillness of life and um, and appreciate it. And I think when we can appreciate what's going on around us, we... Uh, we find joy in some of that. So, yeah, hope you are enjoying your day. And that kind of leads into, I guess, something I've been thinking quite a lot about recently because I quite often reflect on my childhood and my upbringing, which at the time when I was being brought up, I just thought it was a normal kind of upbringing because obviously whatever is your upbringing, you think is normal. Uh, it's, it makes sense to you. But more and more I've just, and I've probably said this in some of the other conversations I've had with you, is that more and more I've discovered our, my upbringing was not normal at all. It was extraordinary in many ways. And most of that stems from the fact that my parents were masters, we'd say ninjas, ninja masters in unconditional love. And I think... This is a weird and wonderful, amazing thing to tap into. And conversations with a few people recently has really made me think, gosh, we don't know an awful lot about what this is, this unconditional love thing. Um, we've all got our own version of what love is, and I've talked a little bit about that in some of my other conversations. But I think unconditional love is not about just letting people do whatever they want and you just going, oh, that's fine and I love you no matter what you do. You've just harmed me. You've done something awful to me. I just love you. Um, now, while unconditional love is about loving people even when they've maybe made mistakes or harmed or whatever they might have done, that's not actually the goal of, of the way that we love. I think being able to, particularly when you parent, um, being able to say, these are my lines in the sand. This, this is the stuff that I think is super important. Um, now, if you stray over those lines, I'll still love you. That's not going to change. But damn it, I'll be really disappointed in you. <laughs> and, and I think that's some of the things I've identified about my, my parents, the way that they um, brought my sister and I up, was the sense that we were completely free that love was completely obtainable no matter what we did, no matter how we behaved, no matter what happened, but they had very clear guidelines and boundaries around what was appropriate and what wasn't. And that's a tough one to balance, keeping your sort of principles, your morals, your ethics, um, showing people where your, where your lines are, where your boundaries are, and so not being afraid to say no, because no isn't actually the thing that hurts people. It's when you aren't clear about what your no is that often hurts people. And if you can sort of keep that consistency of who you are, then you can let people be free to be who they are and love them no matter what they do. Um, but you've made it very clear what's okay and what's not okay for you, uh, which is a tricky one to balance. All of that is very tricky stuff. But I just think the more we can understand that love is not a finite thing, that um, we actually exist in this world beyond our bubbles <laughs> and um, we interact with each other 
And love is not something that runs out. Love is actually something that grows the more we use it, the more we engage with it, the more we understand it, the more we show love. So today, think about the love in your life and how you love and can you let people be free and still love them. Right, on that note, hope you have a wonderful, enjoyable day. Take care. Did you see any community responses around uh, you? No, I'm not quite sure what, what do you mean. Uh, did you, was there a community network of people sharing food or...? No, no, a very, most, a very important thing I didn't tell you, and that is that our neighbour, first neighbour, who's down the, you know, down the driveway, our third neighbour, he just uh, uh, picked up the phone one day and he said, uh, Dabrilla, I just wanted to tell you, when I go to the shop, you just make a list and text me. I didn't need to go to the shop because he went, because we are older neighbours mm-hmm. and he didn't want us to, you know, go there. I mean, it's just brilliant. I didn't even ask. He offered. So have you stayed working at home? Yes. Yes, we, we worked completely the, the first term and the second term. At the beginning of the second term, we already started and then the management has decided because we started online, we'll just carry on online. And therefore, first semester of two terms are completely online. But yes, students are looking forward. We, we actually came, uh, went to the, to the campus uh, last three or four Mondays for the generation that is finishing now. So I just wanted to, you know, they wanted me to come to have a face-to-face. They just needed that after all this lockdown. They said, no problem. I'll, I'll leave party. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, at least we talk and, and kind of it was... It, it's, it's interesting when you're comparing online and face-to-face. Even though that you try to, to kind of give that to them. But as I said to my students, I don't see your face. And I'm not quite sure... Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I don't really see, and even if I see that face, it's, it's not like you're in the face-to-face. Every every moment of your body or your face is telling me something, and I'm trying, obviously, to understand that clearly and try to understand, do I need to repeat that, or do I say that in another way, or you know, shall I sh- show you some examples? Because I get all these, all these signals, it doesn't really happen that way online. I think my students also felt that. And I, they did ask the questions and we had a good conversation, but it wasn't the same for them. And I think it's all about human interactions. Nothing really. Technology is just technology. It's just a tool which we use. But I, I don't think it's going to happen overnight that we will all go online and never, ever go to the classroom again. It's probably shown up the, the limitations of the technology. technology. It's shown how much the technology has enabled. Indeed. Imagine if we'd had to do this 15 years ago without Zoom and Skype and, that would and be so absolutely on. Terrible, yeah. But we are recognising the limits of it. Yes, absolutely. I think that's really the good word that you have used. I think the most important thing with a technology or any kind of tool is to know what the limitations are. Everything else you can, you know, happily accept. children than 
special people developing a mentoring program or you've developed a mentoring program over the last couple of years has that managed to work during the lockdown uh, yeah, uh, not not in the first term as I was sick unfortunately uh, I didn't start it because the, it has to start at the beginning we established you know we already had actually mentors and all the rest of it but, but because I was sick and we lose that week or two at the beginning uh, what a company has done is it just through the pastoral care they organize the students in groups without mentors but just to have some sort of um, a support networking support uh, in that first term in the second term I'm you I took over and not over those students but the new student and we did online mentoring so that was also uh, another experience that we went through uh, my mentors say that they're quite happy their mentees are quite happy with that but it was uh, it was really I, I thought it was really important that for the new students who are starting in a halfway through after that big lockdown but we are still not not quite not quite face to face to have somebody to talk and they did they use you know whatsapp they use uh, uh, any other technologies and and they did that quite well and I think what because we we did that workshop uh, on last Friday one of my students um, uh, my, my mentors was talking to the other colleagues who are helping to design that model she was she's Chinese and she was saying that she was completely lost without uh, you know, when, when she came, no support, no family, didn't know anyone, Chinese, difficulty with the language, obviously. And, uh, and when she got the mentor, it was like, you know, suddenly you have a friend. Suddenly you have somebody you can talk about. And I normally always said, why, why student? Because if you want to ask me, am I really that horrible as I look like? You can't really, as a student, you can't ask me that. You can't ask that my colleague, but you can ask that to the student. And they will tell you honestly what their experiences are. So there is a level of trust between student to student that really does work and help them. You know, the motivation is for those ones who are just coming to the country to develop some sort of networking and supporting system, student to students. You have a men, older students who, who is experienced telling them how to get through the system, what are the important things they need to know, and more importantly, what are the supporting services available that they can use or should be using. And you've been able to secure some money to develop mentoring 
at institutions around the country. And during lockdown, you've been able to develop a sort of a research group to do that. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And and uh, uh, at the moment, I think we have a seven. Uh, we are not calling them Polytechnic anymore. They are subsidiary of NZ. ISD, so seven different ones with the different experiences. So we are uh, at the moment trying to uh, make a framework, conceptual model for the mentoring program that will incorporate different ways how our colleagues in the different subsidiaries are doing that. So that was, um, we have one more workshop and after that is, is a lot of writing and organizing and making sure that that we get to our final result. Uh, next year, first semester or first two terms is going to be evaluation. We will then decide which part of that model uh, our colleagues would like to implement and then you know compare and analyze results and see does it work? Mentorship is not something you make and it works forever. It's really just temporary design which is alive and it's going to change as you are, you know, getting a new generation, you're getting new understanding, you're learning more, your students are telling you different things. So it it depends on many different factors. And I see that really just just as a model, conceptual model, which everyone will use in the way they think it's appropriate. Maybe that's something that will get set up in the whatever form the student quarantine is likely to be. I think it's going to be something like the yeah. first two or three weeks they're here and kept in quarantine and that's where we do the introduction to New Zealand Absolutely. and setting up mentoring networks and things. Absolutely, because mentoring starts uh, in the orientation day. Orientation day is normally before start of the semester or term. So therefore, at that time, those mentors are introduced to mentees. And mentees, before they start the study, already have a group of mm-hmm. the new students together, uh, 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 led by, by the mentor, who is guiding them through. Why we pushed, we started normally at, in first week of, of the study and then realized when they come here two days or three days before the st- study starts, they are on their own that weekend and they need somebody because that's the most mm-hmm. frightening weekend they can have. And some of them just finished you know, the study and came as a very young people and it's, it's frightening. I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Hmm. My granddaughter and my mentorship program. We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. So you're on our team of people doing good work. What's the superpower that's got you there? What's the superpower? What's your superpower? Wow. Um, it's our prime minister. Uh, her believes in um, in um, in a science. That's not your. You didn't mean. Oh, you you are talking your about me. Superpower. Hmm. I believe that I believe that one day education is going to become more holistic. So it's that's what I would like to believe. That would be wonderful if I can you know live long enough to see that. So it's not about the content. It's not about um, effects. It's not about how much of something we have we have achieved. It's also how that person become a person in the term of, of growing, of, of being the best they can be. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Uh, I'm, I'm not quite, but I would like to be. Not as much as I probably would like to be. What are you activist about? Well... I like to leave the earth better than I found it when I came on. I like to believe that, you know, our children and grandchildren will have a better and and more peaceful life. I'd like to believe that every prime minister will look like Jacinda. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Oh, that's a good one. I'm... I think I'm a bit of a workaholic, and you know, first you get up in the morning, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, five at the latest, and then you say, okay, what do I need to do today? And you just organize the day and you do it. What challenge are you looking forward to in the next couple of years? I'd like to start writing some books, do a little bit more research, 
and um, be even better lecturer if I can be. What are the books going to be on? Well, I like to put the mentorship program around it, and I think it's. I believe that we didn't put enough um, recognition to that process. I think it's something that people push outside of the educational process and think this is to belongs to administration, supporting services. I believe it's part of educational process, and I believe it should be recognized as such, and it should be supported. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? With regards to the corona? or Anything you like. Hmm. Let's, let's be kind to each other. Let's support each other. And let's do what we can to leave, um, you know, this world better for the others. Thank you for that. of people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie and Liesl Mitchell. I'm Samuel Mann with a Debrilla Lopez in the hills above Auckland. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.